I'd like to start this week with a little announcement, if that's all right with you. Yeah, sure. Go for it. I'm delighted to announce that my talk to FutureSync got accepted. Hooray! Have we got a sound effect we can play? Have we got like, <laughs> cheers I and screams? And... A, uh, better, better cheer than you gave. Oh, come the on. That was, that was some top-tier cheering. <laughs> yeah, I got my, my talk got accepted, and I got an email uh, on the... I didn't get it on Valentine's Day. Tony was lying. I got it the day before, um, saying that it had been accepted. So that was really good, and I'm excited to maybe get him back on the podcast to talk about it again. And just a reminder, Future Sync is on April the 16th. That's the Thursday uh, in Plymouth. So make sure you head to futuresync.co.uk uh, to find out more about that. So we covered this. I mean, uh, this is kind of, I suppose, follow-up and not our official official podcast topic for the week. But we touched on the process of the submissions in our last episode. What state was yours when you submitted it? You had, presumably, a title and an abstract. Is that where you got to? Yeah, I had a, a title and then maybe two or three paragraphs and then a few sentences just saying who who the talk was for and how it was going to help people. Yeah, and yeah, I guess there's a, quite a lot to flesh out between now and it being a talk, so there's lots to talk about on the podcast about that, I guess. Yeah, and we'll I imagine we'll discuss it in the coming weeks. Excellent. Oh, I can't wait. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about... MVP. Now, when you said MVP to me, Tom, I thought of most valuable player. <laughs> and that comes up a lot in gaming and sports. <laughs> Is that what we're going to talk about? No. We're not a sports podcast. <laughs> no, I would. Oh, could, can we be a sports Imagine. podcast? Imagine. It would be amazing. I would, I would have great fun presenting a sports podcast, I think. Um, <laughs> but no, we're talking about uh, well, the, a concept in... I guess, is it just manufacturing? Is it specifically software? I don't know. But the concept is minimum viable product. Is that something you've come across? Presumably not a concept you've come across before. I th- did, we, did we talk about it back when we did the, uh, the shall I, can I even say it anymore? The weather app. Oh, I, oh, I think we did. App. We did, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, do you want to quickly remind people what the weather app was? Well, the weather app was the project that we started, like so many projects, it got started and <laughs> did not get continued, um, where we were trying to create kind of a, a website or an app that shows you shows you the most reliable weather source for your current location, I think is what we ended up on. Yeah, um, that kind of, it really did just pr- like textbook definition of fizzle out, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, stuff started happening and lives get on the way. Um, you never know. This is 2020, Tom. Yeah, I, I, I'm low. What's your theme of the year? Yeah. Well, Before you say anything. Action. <laughs> okay. Go on, carry on with what you're going to say. I, I had to remember. Why? What? <laughs> I don't know. It just sounded like you were going to make some sort of excuse. I was going to make some sort of excuse. I don't think that there was a spark in there that it didn't grip us, did it? We worked on it for a bit and it was it felt like pulling teeth every time I worked on it. So I, I would be loath to return to it. I like the idea of doing a project and following along like as part of the podcast. I'd be game on game to try that again, but not that specific mm. idea. Yeah. So we never we never actually ended up having a minimum viable product uh, because we just didn't spend enough time on it. Um, and like you say, I guess maybe we didn't have the the spark that was necessary. I don't know if a spark is always necessary for a side project, but I suppose that's always going to give you more motivation to do it. I think that spark is important, particularly if you're doing it in your own time and you're not being paid for it. I think it needs to be something you're excited about. Yeah. 
And maybe um, maybe not having a full understanding of kind of what we were aiming for in terms of a, a minimum viable product might not have uh, uh, helped us. You have your special, what are they, K-R-N-S-T-R-O's or something that <laughs> okay. help you give... Uh, <laughs> OKRs are you talking about there? OKRs, um, yeah. Objectives so, and key results. Yeah. yeah. We got OKRs for our MVP. Uh, so. uh, oh, we go, we go, we're, we're getting uh, buzzword management bingo now because KPIs are becoming a bigger part of our... Uh, Workday as well. So, what's a what's a KPI? Uh, a key performance metric, I think. Uh, indicator. Sorry, not, in, not not metric. I think mm. <laughs> you need to yeah. you need to swat up. This is very. This is getting into very Lumberg TCP report. Um, well, I'm going to need you to come in on Saturday, kind of territory, isn't it? I think. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, where I work, we don't work like that at all. But we use we <laughs> extract the useful bits out of like existing established patterns some places i've been before you get so sort of oh all the weight goes to the ceremonies and the lingo this i mean i'm all for jargon i love i love initialisms and acronyms and like specific language but it's very quickly when you get into the realm of management productivity and task management it's oh there's so many and it gets it can be a bit overwhelming and you end up following you almost cargo culting a, a thing along and do you Come across cargo culting before? No. Nope. Uh, so, I, th- I don't know. The, the, I don't know if there's actually any like truth behind it, but the story goes: little isolated islands in the Pacific during the war, they saw the American in- industrial military complex come swanning in. Um, they'd set up runways, and the planes would appear and come down, and then they'd have loads of. Like they'd, have, they'd bring cargo with them so they'd have like boxes and crates full of stuff and just abundance and oh wow look they've got all this gear they've got chocolate they've got food they've got fancy machines that no one's ever seen before um, so after the forces pulled out these tribes would set up they'd build runways and they'd like make their own cargo <laughs> thinking that that might make planes appear um, <laughs> so I think cargo cult now is, is is taken to mean sort of going through the routine of something that you've seen be effective for someone else, not fully understanding what is actually going on. You're just going through the routine for the sake of it, sort of hoping that it will lead to the same results you saw before, when actually it's a completely unrelated thing. It's like what you're looking at is maybe a side effect of what actually happened. Yeah, so I make sure you understand something before you uh, blindly follow it. <laughs> yeah, and I see a lot of yeah, I see a lot of I see a lot of teams do that with like uppercase A agile. I think a lot of people will get swept up by the ceremonies and the yeah the I don't know what the, I don't know what the word for it is. There's the consultancy side of things, <laughs> the sort of thing that a consultant may come in, come in and sell. I think possibly because there's loads of teams that are really successful at using agile, and it's, there's a lot of power in the concept. It's not just a list of things to do that will magically make you better. Yeah, I guess agile isn't something that can be sold to you. It's just a way of doing something. So you either do it that way or you don't. There's no there's no one to sell it. Yeah, I mean, you could, yeah, I've, I've been... There are people to sell it, but no, <laughs> there, there I, don't need to be people to sell it. I've, I've been at a company that has paid people to sell it to us in the sense of training and education, which is actually immensely valuable. And I would, I would probably recommend. But yeah, just turning around and saying, All right, from now on, we are agile is... I mean, we get, we've got way into the weeds already, and we're only <laughs> only a few minutes in. So, so let's get back on track. Tell me, Ed, what do you think of uh, what do you think a minimum viable product is? I would imagine it as 
a really simple form of whatever you want to do. Maybe we it doesn't have loads of features, maybe just as one thing, um, but shows that it can do at least one thing. And you've kind of got the architecture, well, maybe not the full architecture, but you've got the, there's like a skeleton of what you need to do. So if you wanted to carry on working on it, you could then flesh it out, but you've kind of just got that stick. Uh, at work, at my, where I work, we call it a vertical slice. So you kind of get as thin as you can while still getting, kind of do as least work possible while still getting a product that actually does something. Okay, so that's interesting. The vertical vertical slice then being sort of through the stack, is that what you're slicing? Yeah, essentially. So like you've got you'll have a little bit of UI, you'll have a little bit of you UX person might have had a look in there. You've got the back end sorted as well. You've got the ability to deploy it as well. So that's kind of just a slice all the way through the things you need, but just the very the very simplest version of each. And so the, I guess the opposite approach to that would be having maybe just a couple of front-enders sort of scaffold something together and make it look like uh, an, a working application when perhaps it isn't. But by by having like a tiny slice of all the different aspects of the business, it is actually a working product. It's just very condensed in scope. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So then if you suddenly have to drop out and you can't work on it anymore, then you've still got something that can be used, even though... It might be a very minimal use case, but there is something that can actually be used. And it's not just if, like you say, you just had the nice visuals, you couldn't click on any of the buttons. It's, it's kind of useless, isn't it? Yeah, I think there's a big gulf between a good MVP and a good prototype. I think they're serving two different purposes. Um, so I mean, quite often we throw together prototypes, technical proof of concepts for what is something we want to put together. Um and sometimes the, a, a working prototype could be like a mock-up in Sketch, uh, the design app, which has a load of um, really good prototyping tools. So you can kind of mock the functionality of someone. So you show someone a screen, they press a button. You're not actually, you haven't written any code. <laughs> You're just taking them to another very, very similar screen that where whatever they would have, whatever would have happened when they press that button has happened and you've done a new design for that. So you're basically just switching between pages of a design by pressing buttons. Like you can just draw little hotspots on. Like the old-fashioned image map kind of style stuff. Um, would that be a minimum viable product? Absolutely not. No, there's nothing about this that's viable in any way. It is like the prototype is a way to prove a concept. So they're often called you know, POC POC, <laughs> proof of concept. It's often something that people will do at early stages of a of a project. And it's it's like, I mean, if you look, if you speak to like sales teams, that's often like one step in the flow of, of signing a big company onto an enterprise thing. So maybe when I'm talking about a vertical slice, like I was describing a minute ago, that's more like a prototype, perhaps, than a minimum viable product. Does an MVP have to be more fleshed out? I don't. Yeah, fleshed out is a tricky, tricky expression in that scenario. I think because something people often get wrong when they're doing like trying to distinguish between a prototype and a minimum viable product is missing like, the viable aspect of it. I think it's not just it's the minimum product. It's not it's not the fact that it's small that's important. It's the fact that it is viable. So it but and that means you can put it in front of customers. You can put it in front of the the end user who's supposed to be using this and it will provide value. It will be useful straight away. But I think the focus is it's really condensed. So so take a scenario where you want to I don't know. So maybe say if we look to Instagram, 
and we wanted a minimum vile product of Instagram, you could have just an app that scrolls through some you can upload a picture and just scroll through pictures you can't like them you can't comment on them you can't follow people but you've got an app there where you can just scroll through pictures would that be a that would be an mvp because people can use it yeah that's an excellent example that's a a really good distillation of it and that's the exactly the kind of analogy i was totally brain fading on and couldn't find (laughs) um but yeah, that is like the core functionality of what they want to do is it's about picture sharing. So if you can share pictures and you like you upload a picture and other people can see that picture, that would be maybe a very good sort of MVP for someone putting Instagram together. And often you see like particularly things like Facebook and like, to, to follow on the Instagram trend, um, like big apps like that that have grown over many, many years. They're, they're really complex in terms of features now, but most of them when they started have one clear mission they've grown to that complexity they didn't launch with it yeah yeah and i think people get scared sometimes don't they seeing these big apps and they think oh my god they've, there's so much code there there's so much they've done but you don't you forget that they've spent years and years and years adding to that every week <laughs> hmm. and that's where it gets tricky because if you want to try and like genuinely compete with someone in that space you may have to um like reach feature parity with them before you can actually, before you can launch and be effective, because that's what your audience expects. Um, that's where you get into the well, the idea of the innovator's dilemma. I think you need to come up with something almost worse, but innovative, and focus <laughs> on that, and then that slowly eats out your competitors from underneath. Yeah, the, like, the first version of the most of the thing that will win is probably terrible. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, but it, you have to like there has to be some like we were talking about what are internal thoughts about our weather app what we lacked was that spark i think for a really effective mvp to get sort of up and running and going like what you have to hone in on is the thing that gives people that spark of experience so like to take to return to the photo sharing application instance it's you upload a photo you can see other people's photos and there's something in that interaction that is valuable um that would be a good minimum viable product for that because there's all sorts of extra stuff that you want to do and instantly when putting when even even at the brainstorming stage of coming up with that kind of an application you would think of all these extra things that you would want you'd want like the idea of following and liking and all this kind of like sharing it out into different zones like sharing them on twitter and facebook and everywhere else um like there's all sorts of functionality you could put in there that is extra to the core of like the simplest version of what you want to do yeah, you might have all those ideas. It's not like you don't know what you, you're planning from your project, but you don't necessarily implement them um, until further down the line. Yeah, exactly. It's not You're not saying this is all the product's ever going to be. It's just a starting point. And it's a really good way to kickstart the, like the iteration process, like the feedback loop that you want to get with your customers. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about the feedback loop and... Uh, it, like rapid iteration as if I'm some kind of expert in it this is a perennial problem I find in my work is I I hate sharing my work early and I will want to tweak and add or add all the features that I feel, thought of at the start before I show it to anyone <laughs> so yeah. I'm really bad at that um, and I'm working hard at the moment to make sure that I do share share my work earlier and it's having fantastic results because yeah, I know in my head <laughs> that like fast iteration with the people who are supposed to be using the thing that you're building means you get to what you want to you know what you need to be focusing on much much faster because you could spend like if, if you're building say it takes you a week to put together the first like upload a photo and share it 
and, and look at other people's photos version of the app. But you want to have all the other features on. So then you spend maybe another week building the liking mechanism and the state management for that. And then maybe you think, oh, well, actually, this need, like, it's important that this is fast. So I need to w- spend another week working on the infrastructure and the uh, you know, server-side rendering and make it like really fancy. Um, all that time, you've got a working version of your product that's not being looked at. And it could, and you need that for validation. I think validation yeah. is probably a keyword in that you're getting it in front of people who will decide if they like it or not. Yeah, and people might find things or suggest things that you hadn't even thought of and your time might be better spent working on those things as opposed to doing whatever you're thinking about doing you're currently working on. They might come up with a great idea or say, why haven't we got this feature? And you think, actually, that feature is going to be much more important than making sure I can give this to millions of people at the moment because only a few hundred people are actually looking at it. Yeah, and you can miss perfectly good assumptions about how people expect that first bit of functionality to work. Like, say, mm. we're looking at the photo thing, you design a thing, you design a really nice application where people can click and upload a photo from their library, and it's wonderful. But actually, all your users want to actually access access the camera directly and take the picture within the application and muck around with it there. And that could be the, that's an example of something that maybe you, you get focused on a certain flow through your application like the way that someone like you're imagining a user doing the thing that you're building when actually you know, people want to do it slightly differently or they're, they're going to get there's a bit you've got a blind spot because you're so close to it there's a bit in that process that is an absolute blocker for people and people everyone finds really confusing if you leave if you like work on everything spend ages finessing everything around it you're going to miss that bit of information which is oh everyone struggles on step two of this process so you need to make that better yeah yeah that's that's a really good point i think we should start a uh we should get some ideas going for a new project i was thinking we should start we should find a really good api and then work from there oh that might be fun yeah Uh, have you you've played with swappy before yeah yeah so that's the the i I was saying something a bit more serious (laughs) yeah i know i know i see but the so for anyone who hasn't anyone who's looking at mucking around like if they've not played with apis before Swappy is a great place to start. It's the Star Wars API, and it has like a database of Star Wars characters. So it's great for nerds to, to muck around with, uh, but it's a good way of learning the sort of the principles of interacting with an API. Um, yeah. There's lots of, but there are lots of open data sources out there that can be used. Hmm. There's some like interest, like the International Space Station API. Would mm. be interesting. I still think that I still think the uh, podcast directory has got legs. Like best first episode. Oh, yeah, that was our runner-up, wasn't it? It was, <laughs> and the domain just renewed. <laughs> so we still have it. We still have best first episode. Was that a year ago? A year ago. Than, it was more than a year ago, yeah. A year and a week, I think. <laughs> I think you bought it on the web, on one of the episodes, didn't you? I did. I think, uh, yeah. I liked the idea so much. I bought. So that's that's the spark I'm talking about. It's that the, like, oh, yeah, I'm buying the domain for that right now. A year and later, I've done, <laughs> done absolutely nothing. <laughs> because I thought I was, I was saving it because I thought it might be useful to do one. Yeah. I think having a defined, like, Something that we could make. The problem we had before with the weather app was that there wasn't, we didn't have in our minds what a minimum viable product would look like. We didn't really know how to tackle that problem and how to get that in front of people. Yeah. We're talking about making a really small chunk of work, but there was kind of a lot to do before we could actually show people the product. Yeah. And, and because of the scale of it, like trying to think weather, everyone has different weather where they are. So it's like you're instantly, if, even just to be useful nationally is a massive amount of work. I wonder if there's 
a way that we can narrow it down. Like you say, the vertical, what, what, get that vertical slice so we're touching all the different bits of, of the application, but delivering something that's nice and simple and actually achievable in a short period of time that like, we know the bounds of it more than we did with the Weller app. As simple as possible, but can reach as, well, practically anyone. <laughs> a, a weather app that you can only look at the weather in London is good for people in London, but is not good for a wide variety of people. And there's lots of tricks you can do as well. I think like the fake it, fake it till you make it strategy is actually a reasonably viable path to getting something done. If you can, it doesn't. Like, if you just want to, you want to be selling products and you want to make a really good store to to sell to people, you could actually start off by like drop shipping, and you like, you know further down the line that you're gonna your manufacturing process is gonna make things cheaper than your competitors can sell them for. But in the meantime, maybe buy things at a higher price sell them lower just to get like that first bit of i mean this is a terrible terrible idea and no one should ever do it but i'm trying to like i'm trying to articulate the the process of like just i mean the the classic example is like two-way marketplaces where people have you want people to be making content and people to be using content like so if you were making a, a new reddit for instance you want lots of people browsing it and looking at it but you also want people on there making stuff or wikipedia you want people writing posts because that's important you need the network effect of there being lots of content and you also want lots of high traffic you want people actually using your service to read it um so i think quite often a lot of services that have that marketplace dynamic will pay their employees to go and write posts and like simulate the idea of it being used so that when genuine users come it doesn't feel like a ghost town because they're the first person there there's already an existing ecosystem even if it's not actually technically real yes we've done cargo carting have you have you come across mechanical turking in the past as well mechanical turking yeah or yeah um do you know the story you don't presumably don't know the story of the mechanical turk this is turning into story time this is wonderful (laughs) oh i do know m turk yeah so go on i know m turk m turk what's m turk the Amazon. Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah. Mechanic. That's the canonical like example of it. Yeah, it's just a computer that does work for you. <laughs> no, no. Oh, yeah, you really don't know. No. So the original. Oh. Let's go back into that. Really get into story time mode here. The the depths of time. The Mechanical Turk was a, a marvel of the <laughs> age, um, and it was would travel around in antiquity, and it was this device. This master craftsman had created this amazing machine that could play chess. And it was um, a, a big ch- a box with a chessboard on top and a little automata man sat behind that would move, like, made of wood and cogs and gears and wearing a, a Turkish headband or something. So it was, he was the mechanical Turk and he's, his arms would move and he would play chess. And he would go up, go tour the courts of kings around the world and queens and would beat their grandmasters at chess. and This machine was really good at playing chess. And eventually, it turns out, this machine was just a guy underneath, curled up small in the box, who happened to be a chess grandmaster who could operate the, <laughs> operate the guy placing the pieces with his, mm-hmm. with his hands and some sticks. Um, so it was just... So it looked like a marvellous machine and a fantastic invention and a step forward in artificial intelligence. It was just a guy in a box. So Amazon's Mechanical Turk or MTurk service is a network where people sign up and do um, 
I could sign up to do to be paid to do very small menial tasks, but like loads of them. So rather than so you've got a set of images and you want to find all the images that have boats in them, rather than actually <laughs> and writing an algorithm that could detect the difference between a boat and a ship and a dinghy, which is actually a, a quite complicated technical program. I, you can do it now. <laughs> the technology exists, but it's hard. You don't want to have to write that algorithm. It's it's hard. It's, it could be easier to just pay people like 20p per image to say, does this image have a boat in it? So someone signs up to Mechanical Turk as a an employee and they just get sent a stream of, they're like, oh, today you're going to be classifying images and they get shown a thousand images that day. And for each image, they have to say, is it a boat? Yes or no. And for each one they do, they get 5p or something. Mm. Um, so it's it, the work that could be done by a really fancy algorithm that took months and months to develop and loads of developers to work on and like a whole load of engineering resources. You can fake it by sending it off to these people behind the scenes. Ah, I'm signing up as we speak. <laughs> I'll just have a look. See what... Yeah, it's it's a fun concept. Um, see how it works. And that's that's something that's like a classic feature of MVPs, of the minimum viable product. You don't necessarily need to build the big complicated algorithm. You could just, as long as you you're doing something that works from a user's perspective, it doesn't matter what's going on behind the hood. It might not be sustainable. It might not be like architecturally very good, but as long as it works from the user's user's point of view, that's a good minimum viable product. And it's good because it's validation at an early stage and something you can build on. So you can then go and build that fantastic algorithm, but you already know by that point that it's something that users want. Hmm. Cool. Sorry, I got distracted by looking at <laughs> these MTurk tasks. Oh, so go on. Give us a, give us a few examples. What are they? What are they offering? Let's have a look. Fill out items from a scanned invoice or receipt image. Oh, right, so that's um. Oh, so that's like essentially you're you're doing the OCR. <laughs> OCR. OCR. Yeah. Extract summary information from twenty four shopping receipts. You get five cents. So rather than having automatic character recognition on an algorithm working for that, you just show it to someone and they type it out. <laughs> yeah, I think so. That's almost exactly what we were talking about. That's great. That's yeah. a great example. It looks like a lot of transcribing and copying out words from images. Well, it sounds like what sounds like what the listen to and edit transcripts is uh, maybe a good thing. Maybe it's um, like the automatic process has done it, and you just need a human to step in at the last process, the last step, and make sure that there aren't any like confusing or embarrassing mistakes. Mm. Yeah. It's often they they often say it's like when you're automating something, it you things get much more efficient when you make it. You'd go from having like a whole load of like call center operatives, for instance. You're gonna get much better, like on average, much better customer satisfaction if you make it a computer system that can automatically deal with it. But the edge cases are gonna get even more angry and be even more cross. So if you can have like a eighty twenty distribution of like people are dealt with by computer versus there are human operatives on the line to deal with the edge cases that really need some human attention that you can't automate. That's the ideal scenario in terms of efficiency. Mm. I can't remember why we started talking about MTurk. As part as part of um, MVPs. Ah, like the the fake it to fake it till you make it. That was like yes. the, the cheating to get started almost, but not necessarily cheating if you're delivering value to your customers. That's fine. Wow. So, listeners, if you've got any ideas or you know of any good APIs, let us know. We'd, we'd be interested in that with slowly probably thinking about maybe starting a new project. 
in the coming year, let's say. Let's not hold ourselves to anything too soon. <laughs> um, but I think it would be good to to work on something together. I'd be interested to hear more, let's get more listener feedback about that concept now as well. Because when we started, it was fairly early on in the podcast life. So now we've got more people listening. We get more feedback. We have had feedback on the project we did, the weather app, but mostly it's people going, so that weather app never happened, did it? <laughs> Teasing us about it. So. That, that has happened multiple times. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you're listening at home going, oh, no, not this again. Don't do it. Stop, stop. Tell us. Don't just shout it out into the, the air. Actually get in touch. If everyone contacts us and says, don't even bother, we won't, but we might. I'm hoping we'll get some you know, good ideas instead. <laughs> yes, we would prefer ideas. Thanks a lot for listening. Make sure you check us out on Twitter at AQO Code. And you can find us online at aqoc.dev or aquestionofcode.com. And don't forget to tell your friends and anyone else you know who is learning to code that could benefit from the podcast. Thanks a lot. Uh, see you next time. Bye. See ya. Thank you.